Is the Bible intimidating for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through God's Word? Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time. But let's face it, it can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Volume 1, based on the 39 books of the Old Testament, is now available. And I'd like to send you a copy. Here's Brian with details. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, You'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and 8 ebooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Well, Pastor Ron, I'm sure many of our listeners are looking forward to reading this important book. I know I am. Talk about some of the challenges you faced as you put this project together and tell us why this two-volume book can be such a great resource for those listening right now. Brian, I knew the ultimate road trip through the Bible would be a pretty big challenge to write as a two-volume set. As challenging to write as the Bible is intimidating for some people to read. But it was truly a labor of love, as is reading God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. I'm hopeful that these resources will show the readers just how beautifully the whole of the Bible fits together into an inspired and unified love letter from God to every member of His creation. Thanks, Pastor Ron. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to order Volume 1 of this great resource for your gift of $30 or more. Or call our offices at 757-276-1099. If you'd like to mail your check, our address is P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. It's not money, but the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. Today on Something Good, Dr. Ron Jones takes us to the seventh and final deadly sin, greed. God's Word has much to say about this dangerous vice and the corresponding virtue that we can use to defeat it. Ron takes us there next as he moves ahead in his teaching series, Undefeated, overcoming the deadly sins that drag you down. Stay with us now, but remember you can always listen to Something Good on your schedule. Our audio is available on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Defeating Greed. Well, the year 1987 was simultaneously an exhilarating year and also a challenging year for many people especially those who were Wall Street investors. You may remember that the stock market was on fire that year, up 44% for most of the year. Uh, When I scroll back in my memory to those days, I was two years out of college and I had just passed my Series 7 exam, thinking that I was gonna be a stockbroker. And then October 19th, 
1987 changed everything. That's the date that uh, historians refer to as Black Monday. It's the uh, day that the stock market crashed, losing 20% of its annual gains in a single day. And Black Monday just sent shockwaves throughout the financial markets worldwide. I mean, what was happening on Wall Street you know, affected markets in other parts of the world. And that's why the Australians refer to it as Black Tuesday, because of, well, the time zone differences. 1987 was also the year that Hollywood released a blockbuster movie called Wall Street. It was directed by Oliver Stone. Charlie Sheen played the part of kind of an upstart young stockbroker who befriended a very wealthy but unscrupulous corporate raider named Gordon Gecko, <laughs> played by uh, Michael Douglas, who later won um, an Academy Award for Best Actor for his part. Uh, Wall Street was that movie that sort of captured the success and the, the greed of the 1980s. And Gordon Gecko, the character that Michael Douglas played, became famous for saying these words. Are you ready for this? He said, greed, for lack of a better term, is good. Can you imagine such a brash statement? His character made that statement at an annual shareholders meeting in the movie, and he went on to say, greed is right, greed works, greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms, greed for life, greed for money, for love, for knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. So were the words of Gordon Gecko. Was Gordon Gecko right? Is greed good? Jesus said in Luke chapter 15, uh, 12 and verse 15, watch out, be on guard against all forms of greed, for a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his uh, possessions. So who's right? Gordon Gecko or Jesus? Did Gordon Gecko ever consider the words of Jesus about greed and the warnings of Scripture? about greed. Have you, have I, you know, considered the words of Jesus? Well, today that's, that's what we're doing. We're in this series of messages called Undefeated. Today we're concluding the series. Uh, we've been on quite a journey over these uh, now eight weeks, overcoming the deadly sins that drag us down. Uh, we've talked about pride, anger, lust, laziness, gluttony, envy, and now today, uh, greed. We talk about defeating Greed. Now, as you might expect, the Bible has much to say about greed, much of it warning us against its dangers. I want to survey uh, some of the places in Scripture that uh, do this for us, but as we do, I, I want us to remember this. Um, money is not the root of all kinds of evil. Have you ever heard that? How many have heard that, that before, that money is the root of all kinds of evil? What's well, wrong? The Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. There's nothing evil in and of itself about money. And I want you to understand on the front end of this that uh, we're not uh, talking about you know, bashing rich people. If you have money, you're not evil. No, but our relationship to it and how we interact with it and where greed and predatory desire for more comes into play, uh, that's, that's, that's a fair discussion especially for us as followers uh, of Jesus Christ. It's not wrong to have money, uh, 
as long as money doesn't have you. It's not wrong to possess things as long as those things don't possess you and come before God. Jesus said you cannot serve God in money. He drew the line in the sand there, right? And he says you cannot serve God in money. Either one will be your master or the other will. The Apostle Paul warned young Timothy, his protege and his disciple in the ministry, 1 Timothy chapter 6, he said, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Then he goes on to say, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, he says, eager for money, and that's, that's what we're talking about today. Those who are eager for it, greedy for it, have a predatory desire for it. These people have wandered from the faith, he says, and pierced themselves with many griefs. Did Gordon Gecko ever consider those words? No, he just says greed is good. He wanted to feed the system with more and more greed. Well, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 27 says, a greedy person brings trouble to his family. Proverbs 28 and verse 25 says, a greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 6, these are the words of uh, a very wealthy man named Solomon in the Scripture who also had great wisdom. He says, better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after the wind. Solomon learned that all of his material pursuits became a striving after the wind. He says it's better to just have a little handful of quietness than all of that, you know, striving with two hands full. The Bible, believe it or not, lists greed among the characteristics of the morally depraved. Check it out in Romans chapter 1. Greed also enslaves. I think that's what Jesus had in mind when he said you cannot serve uh, God and money. Uh, Either one or the other will be your master. One or the other will, in effect, enslave you. According to James chapter 4, greed causes division. And according to that same passage in James chapter 4, greed negatively affects our prayer life. If if greed and the predatory desire for more and more governs our heart, we're not on praying ground with our Heavenly Father. Likewise, it should be no surprise that one of the qualifications of a leader in the church, an elder, we might say, or pastor, is that a man should not be greedy. So there's lots that the Bible has to say, and that's certainly not all of it. Another place where the Bible directs... uh, Uh, its attention straight on to this deadly sin we call greed is Luke chapter 12, where Jesus told a story about a rich and greedy fool. Uh, He did so reluctantly after finding himself in the middle of a conversation, actually a debate between two brothers who had just received a family inheritance, and they were fighting over the inheritance. And Luke records the story this way in his gospel, Luke 12, beginning in verse 13 says, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. 
And Jesus told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? And so is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What a story. Jesus was quite a storyteller. And this story in uh, Luke chapter 12 uh, sort of debunks anybody's... Uh, theory about the Bible as being irrelevant in our world today. Now, this is the kind of story and the kind of conversation that though it took place 2,000 years ago, it could have happened yesterday, and it could have happened in anybody's family. could have happened in your family. Maybe grandma and grandpa have passed away, or your mother and father have passed away, and now the family inheritance. And otherwise, uh, you know, family members who get along and enjoy one another's company and you have good family relationships, boy, you drop the inheritance in the middle of the kitchen table and now you're in a snarl. We, we, can, we can picture this, can't we? This is what was happening between two brothers. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Apparently, one of the two brothers had, maybe he was the executor of the estate. And uh, the other brother was saying, hey, you know, they're, they're, they're not doing this right. And Jesus, you know, he, he knew not to get involved in conversations like this. His first response was, man, who am I? I'm, I'm not the judge. I'm not the arbitrator between the two of you. Who appointed me to be the executor of the estate? You boys work it out. But then just as quickly, he didn't miss the teaching moment. The opportunity to directly say something to these two brothers who were in a snarl over some money, let alone later, as we'll find out, uh, to teach his disciples. And Jesus, in so many words, said to these two brothers that they were fools because of their greediness. Still ahead, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org to share your request and our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Use the explore option at the top of the homepage, then scroll down to the how can we pray for you icon. While you're there, visit the Something Good Digital Library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic to find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. The deadly sin of greed is not limited to the wealthy. It can creep into the minds and hearts of even the poorest among us. Here's Ron and the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Defeating Greed. Kind of reminds me of a guy in Hollywood named uh, Lawrence Terode. You and I know him as Mr. T. Remember Mr. T? He's the guy who uh, kind of built his Hollywood career around the phrase, I pity the fool, I pity the fool. You know, the old saying, there's no fool like an old fool, that's true. It's like, also true that there's no fool like a rich fool. And uh, Mr. T would pity, pity even the rich fool. 
Before we go any further and before we get into some details in the story that uncover why this rich man was indeed a fool, let me just be quick to say and to warn every one of us, including myself, not to exit out of the story with the idea that, ah, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not rich. This applies to somebody else. This applies, and you got somebody in your mind who's really, really rich who needs to hear this sermon and to hear this story. Uh, No, greed is something that cuts across all financial levels. You can be a rich fool with your money. You can also be a poor fool with your money. A fool is somebody who lacks the moral reason to make wise decisions. Let me say that again. A fool in the Bible is somebody who lacks the moral reason to make wise decisions. You can be rich, you can be poor, you can be middle class, and still lack the moral and biblical reason to make wise decisions with your money. And besides that, (laughs) we are rich. I mean, compared to... um, The average standard of living across the world today, I read somewhere, and maybe this has changed some, but that there are up to three billion people on planet Earth who live on $2 a day. And you know who they think are the rich in this world? (laughs) Take a look in the mirror. It's you and me. Now, I know there's always somebody who has more. There's somebody who has less. But just understand, as we interact with this truth from 2,000 years ago, recorded in the pages of Scripture, there's somebody right now who thinks you're rich. There's somebody who's looking at you and saying, wow, if I only had what they had. So this is not a time to exit out of the story. It's a time to say, Lord, what what have you got to say to me, and how can I learn from it? Uh, This man in the story obviously possessed the ability to make money. He was good at it, and he made a lot of money. In fact, he had a surplus of grain. His, uh, his, His farming enterprise was booming, but he lacked the wisdom to act honorably and generously with his money. In what ways? Well, number one, he hoarded his surplus. He hoarded it. Uh, He he had a bumper crop. I mean, the sales were good, and he didn't know what to do with all of his grain. He had these, these barns, and he says, well, I'll just tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Uh, didn't, didn't think at all about giving it away or you know, generously providing for others. He just built bigger barns. And he crossed over what I would say is the line between savings and hoarding. Do you know the difference between the two? Uh, it's, it's, it's an important demarcation to create in your, in your financial thinking. When is enough enough? Maybe a financial planner can help you figure out, you know, do some calculations on into the future and, you know, talk about your goals and family needs and all of that. But when is enough enough? I can make a case in the Bible for legitimate savings. Okay, the Bible isn't anti-savings. By the way, the Wall Street Journal says that the average American today has less than $500 in the bank. Several years ago, um, the percentage was 70% of Americans. I think it's 75% of Americans. Years ago, 70% didn't have $1,000 in the bank. 75% of Americans today don't have $500 in the bank. Are you kidding me? 
I could make a case in the Bible for legitimate savings, but when does savings cross over into hoarding? This man hoarded his wealth. Uh, it's one of the reasons he was a fool. Secondly, he focused on himself. Didn't have anywhere in his radar the needs of others. Why do I say that? Because when you kind of get into the story here and he's starting to reason amongst you know, his own self, I count uh, no less than 10 times he uses the personal pronouns I or my. He says, uh, I, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for years. It's just I, 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 my, 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 me, me, me. It's a selfish guy. And uh, is so focused upon himself. Thirdly, he acted presumptuously. This is why he was a fool. He says he began to reason to himself. Now, friends, we, we can base our life on, on one of two things, either base it on the revelation of God or upon human reason. And human reason always has its limits. In this case, um, this man reasoned amongst himself, just reasoned in his own mind. He didn't even seek any wisdom outside of himself, even human wisdom. There's no indication of that. And there's no indication that he ever prayed there's no indication that he ever sought the scriptures and the mind of God about what he should do with his surplus. He was presumptuous about it, just reasoning amongst uh, himself. Uh, fourthly, he had a false sense of security. As he was reasoning in his own mind, he says, um, he begins to talk to himself, and he says, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, he, he just you know, thought, hey, I'm going to be around for a long time, and I, I've got things covered. And I was watching a documentary recently on Netflix about this very uh, successful and wealthy um, music producer. Long uh, documentary, probably two or three hours long, and very, very successful, very wealthy. He's worked with some of the top music artists in the world. And at one point, he, he made this comment. He's into his 70s now and working on some Broadway things, and he just says, you know, I, I, I think I've got uh, maybe another 13 summers to work on this. Um, presumptuous statement. You don't know that you've got your next breath. The, the Bible says life is but a mist. And we're not, we're not promised anything in terms of the next. Now, plan for the future, sure, but don't plan presumptuously. And don't build into your planning a false sense of security because all that you've built up, <laughs> that you've invested here or there, could be gone tomorrow. And the economic whims of, you know, national and international economies today. Here are the five earmarks of greed, the hoarding of wealth, focusing on oneself, acting presumptuously, having a false sense of security, being stingy. The Bible warns us to avoid each of them at all costs. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good radio message, Defeating Greed. To listen to any of Ron's messages on demand, be sure to stop by somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. What is the connection between greed, worry, and faith? 
I think I can see the connection between worry and faith. You know, they're, they're polar opposites. Your heart can't be full of worry about, you know, just the basic necessities of life and still be a person of faith. I get that. But what's the connection between the story about this greedy rich fool and worry and faith? And I, I think the connection is, is that greed, again, that predatory desire to get more stuff, I've just got to have more, you're greedy for it, that greed might be an indication of a lack of faith in your life. That's next time when Ron explores the connection between greed and faith in part two of his message, Defeating Greed. Join us then for Something Good for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.